Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Mulk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as at BuzzFeed Ozpol in Parliament House, formerly at Triple J Hack, also at Silent Australia. Humans of Twitter is their stories, in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, Alice Workman. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I've never actually been on anyone else's podcast before, so I hope that um, I, uh, uh, it's going to be all right. I am absolutely positive, Alice, that you will acquit yourself delightfully. And you realise this is one of the very rare occasions where I've done something without Rob Harris uh, sitting next to me, poking me as I do it, so... Let's see how it's we go. About time you stood on your own two feet and stood up for yourself. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. People keep saying that to me. <laughs> Alice, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Oh, see, I've listened to the podcast before, and I knew I knew that was the first question. And mm. it's a it's an interesting answer, probably if you're a psychologist, because it depends. So if I'm Canberra's quite a small place, so more often than not you know people through people and people kind of figure out who you are pretty quickly. But um, I, uh, and, and if, you know, if I'm in the building, obviously I say to people, oh, you know, I'm from, I'm from BuzzFeed, you know, as Mark and I like to joke, the internet website, buzzfeed.com. And we, we try and explain to, if people don't know what BuzzFeed is, obviously we have to explain what BuzzFeed is. And more often than not though, people kind of, we've only, I've only moved over to this job two weeks ago and we've just opened the office, but people seem to have cottoned onto us pretty quickly in the building, which is pretty good. But if I'm in a social setting where um, I don't know people, I'm, I tend to be really cagey. And a couple of weeks ago, I went to an engagement party and we were talking to some people we, we knew through friends from uni. And um, they said to me, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I, uh, I live in Canberra. And they're like, oh, where do you work? I'm like, um, I, uh, I work at Parliament House. And, and like, through this like 10-step question <laughs> program, they finally got to me. I finally said, oh, yeah, yeah, I work, I work in the media and the press gallery. But if I, if I go to parties in Canberra and I, you know, because I, I don't know, I'm just convinced that no one in the public's really interested in politics. I, I like to tell people that I'm a real estate agent because I, um, I think I know enough about real estate to get away with it. And I'd much rather talk about real estate on a Saturday night than talk about politics. How, like, ex-Sydney is that? I'd much, I'd much rather talk about real estate. How about those housing prices? Yes, what is the median house price in Canberra? <laughs> well, it's uh, it's actually a lot higher than I think people anticipate. The, 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 rent, the rent difference between Canberra and Sydney is, is it's lower, but it's not a lot lower. It's not as low as Melbourne. It's probably the same, same, blame, same rates as Adelaide. Do we blame the politicians for that? <laughs> well, no, we blame <laughs> the real estate agents because the way that um, the market in Canberra works, I'm convinced, is that when the big an- announcements of job of jo- of ugh, sorry when the announcements of job cuts come through, what the mm. real estate agents do instead of wanting they don't want to flood the market with all these properties because generally there's a cycle of people who work for DFAT and embassies that move and go throughout Canberra, so there's always going to be places that are coming up routinely. So when they have sure. the big cuts of jobs, rather than flood the market with heaps of properties, they pull back. And they only release things at short periods of time. And they know when people come here, you've got your grads that come here, ANU students. So there's times of the year where people kind of have this influx in and they hold properties off the market so that they can control the rent. 
See, it's a big oh. rental conspiracy, Stephen. I would still blame the politicians for that, though. <laughs> well, it's all politics. Everything in the world is politics, isn't it? If, well, I'll, I'll ask the question this way. If you're so interested in real estate and <laughs> have a relative disinterest, I know you are interested, but, you know, not as much as, as real estate, why work in, in political media? Oh, no, I love politics. I do love politics. Although I, mm. I, I didn't, I started my media career, I guess, in Sydney working in, in Talkback Radio. I've always worked, this is the first job I've had. Um, I, I worked for Sky for a, a little while, but I've mainly worked in Talkback Radio and that was my real kind of love um, when I was when I was growing up and I was at uni. I loved radio. I loved, you know, I worked at 2GB, so I worked with Alan Jones and I worked with Ray Hadley and I, um, I worked at 2UA. I ran a breakfast show at 2UA as well. Um, before I moved to Triple J. So I've always loved politics and talkback radio and, you know, growing up in the Howard era when he was a big fan of radio and talkback and he used to use it all the time. I think that's where my my love of of politics and radio came together. And then, um, you know, I was lucky enough to get a job up in the gallery and and, uh, that was pretty amazing. I was very, very surprised that they would give a, a job on hack to someone whose whose main claim to fame was was working with Dicko on a on a talk back breakfast show. And, um, I uh, but I did I did politics stuff at TUA as well, and I kind of I ran the election coverage, and I and I had my own politics segment. Um, uh, so yeah, I was really you know privileged to get the job and to come up here, and um, you know two years on, I've I've now moved over to BuzzFeed. For those who are maybe unaware of the place of Sydney Talkback in the radio stratosphere, for you to have said that you've just worked with Alan Jones and Ray Hadley, you've worked with two of the biggest names of the modern era. That is insane. Well, it depends on where you live in the country as to, as to how impressive you think it is. Um well, I work with a lot of people from South Australia and South Australia and Melbourne who just don't get Ray Hadley and Alan Jones. They just don't get it. Their talkback's different. Melbourne talkback, you know, mm. the people say that Neil Mitchell is a right winger. He's not right wing compared to Alan and Ray. No, yeah, um, no, that's he, right. Very different. So I think the radio landscape is different in every wherever you grow up around the country. Uh, you know, Alan and Ray syndicated through most of Queensland now and most mm. of New South Wales. So, um, and actually now that they, now that Macquarie bought Fairfax Radio, you actually can hear them on uh, Perth Radio as well. And I think maybe sometimes they get a bit of a run on 3AW, uh, but like highlights, not actual shows. So, you know, they are, they are, they are men, two men who you would describe as a tour de force. They are, well, look, I, I, hands down, not a fan. I appreciate the position they do and they, the jobs they do and those sorts of things, Mm. but you know, wouldn't, wouldn't oh, say that I, I'm I, I think that you can them. be, you can, I think that they're, they come from an old-fashioned school of talkback radio where whether you mm. agree with what they do or not, the craft of radio making that they they do and the, the skills that they employ and the way that they can rally an issue or rally, rally an audience. Um, and, you know, it is actual radio craft that they do. It's not, you know... No, and no one could just sit behind a microphone and, and do the kind of things that, that Ray and Alan do. Um, and, you know, of course there are heaps of amazing, amazing broadcasters around the country, but um, it is a very unique, a unique skill set that they have. And I think that if you don't agree with them, you can still appreciate the fact that they have a big audience and 
you know, whether or not they, I mean, surely a lot of people can understand that they are, that they maybe if, I'm trying, I'm trying not to anger too many people by saying that I think they're really good at what they do. <laughs> whether you, whether you or not you agree with them, I don't know. All of that aside, Alice, you must have seen some of the many reported tantrums that we get from our excellent, if ageing, radio talent. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> That's so soft. And, and but you <laughs> I get to be the first person to say that. Yeah, absolutely, I have. I've said I've, I've, the things I've seen. I, I think people, um, they're not dissimilar to politicians or people mm. that work in um, entertainment, I think, shop jobs. It's quite a, not that I would ever defend anything that they did, but I imagine when you're in the position, it's quite a high-stress live environment um and some people can handle that better than others uh if you would like to google uh triple j have uh some audio recordings of um alan jones that Mm -hmm. one sneaky producer took when he was off air at how he talks to his staff and it's pretty interesting listening it was, is. I recommend Googling. Your Google mm. skills won't need to be stretched for that. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, some, I've seen some pretty interesting things. But, you know, the, the, I've seen some lovely things as well. I've seen, I've seen yeah. shock jocks who are amazingly fun and fantastic to work with. I think that I mentioned him before, Ian, Ian Dickinson, even though that's not, not his real surname, Dicko, as people mm. call him now, um, who I think believe can be seen on one of the got talent C-style judging panels mm-hmm. sitting next to Kelly Osborne is one of the most interesting people that I've worked with recently. He is highly intelligent and completely lacking in any kind of drama or high maintenance that comes with some people. He, he kind of had this, he, he never considered himself smart because he never went to uni and, and was a, basically a labourer before he started working in the music world. Um, mm-hmm. But he's really smart and really funny and um, used to tell these amazing stories about he managed the band Five. So he tells these great stories about how Five were a manufactured boy band and they hated each other and allegedly they were at a European Music Awards ceremony and one of them, like, punched the other on the stage. It's, he's, got, he's, he's full of greats. Like, I've got some good stories. He is full of great stories. Awesome. Um, yeah, he was a really he was a really interesting person to work with. But I have seen some some tantrum tantrums as well. I can imagine. And again, more Google skills people, not much required. <laughs> Dicko was one of the original Australian Idol judges. Yeah. Everybody under the age of sixteen. Oh what well, no, probably he <laughs> Well he used to um, always lament the fact that Mark Holden came up with touchdown and that he never oh. like he said when he came up with that, he just he hit himself and he thought, damn it, he's got a, he's got a catchphrase. I need a catchphrase. So he went on um, – Tom Ballard had this great but short-lived show called Reality Check on the ABC where yeah. he got Dicko on um, to talk about the kind of realities of reality TV and they came up with, it's a Tico from Dicko. And it was really funny. <laughs> he really had a problem with the – he really had a problem with Mark Holden. It was just really great. Well – not allegedly, Mark Holden is entirely loopy, uh, but also a highly intelligent guy. So you put those two things together next to someone like Dicko, I would imagine that would get right up his nose. Mm. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever watched 30 Rock, but um, mm. they do a parody of um, uh, the Got Talent show. It's called American Kids Got Singing. And on oh. the show, it's like John McEnroe, uh, one of the characters in the show, Jenna Maroney, who's like a high-maintenance diva. John McEnroe, obviously, tennis, known for his tantrums. And then the other person is from another made-up reality show um, called, oh, what was it called? It was a parody of the Housewife show. And that, so another person was a parody for that. And so on, 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 on air, they're all horrible and they're all mean to the kids and they get bigger and they get blah, blah, blah. Then they, you see this shot of them all backstage kind of being like, when someone, when the execs comes up and said, oh, you've got to tone it down, you're being too mean, and they all defend each other and go, no, we are all working together. Come on, guys, we're going to do a great show. And they do like a little kumbaya and a hug, and that's what I imagine it would have been like. <laughs> you know, because you see the same thing in Parliament. Like obviously Question Time is such oh. a manufactured performance event and uh, you see politicians outside the confine, you know, it's very theatrical in the way that they, like a pantomime, they're all yelling at each other and, you know, being being very partisan and, and just trying to, um, you know, like like seem like that they're, you know, sticking up for themselves and having a go at the government. But, you know, a couple of minutes later, they're, you know, back slapping in the halls, they're having a laugh, they're getting along. It's interesting. With your time that you've spent in and around the halls of parliament with mm. both Triple J Hack and, and now with BuzzFeed, have there been any moments or a single moment that stands out to you to be, I guess, something that's really, um, I don't know if altruistic is the word, but something that, that is, I guess, the reason that parliament exists, something that is good for the people of Australia? A moment that has solidified why we need politicians, is that what you're asking for? <laughs> that's a good start. Let's go there. <laughs> well, I think that... I've had some interesting moments with a lot of politicians. I think like the, the criticism they always said about Julia Gillard was that she was so highly media managed that behind the scenes she was quite beloved by public servants and people who met her quite liked her, um, but she mm-hmm. couldn't push that charisma and character across. I think that that is the case of a lot of politicians that, you know, if you get that 10-second soundbite on TV, it's hard for people to to get to know you and to get to understand you. So when Rob and I started doing The Silent Majority, one of the reasons was we thought, well, politicians don't even get as much airplay as celebrities these days. We don't, we don't know a lot about the people that are making the decisions. There are a lot of young, interesting people with untold stories in this building. Why not sit, get them to sit down with us for 40 minutes and we can find out and, you know, obviously... 10 minutes, yeah. you've you got, you got to let them go so they can get their talking points off their back. And then once you get them to settle down a little bit and you just start asking them some random questions about their life, they tend to they tend to open up a little and, and you can find out a little bit more about it. And we get criticised a bit. People say similar things to the kitchen cabinet kind of junk food journalism saying that we're humanising them. But I always think that that's such an ignorant a way to approach it. We These people are mm. making the most important decisions in, in our lives and we don't know anything about them or why they make the decisions. So I think getting to know the people behind the, the decision-making isn't necessarily humanising. It's just showing character. And if we know more about random celebrities than we do about the people that are running our country, I think that's a dangerous situation to get into. So, I yeah. mean, I, I, my, I, oh, a good story about solidifying politics. I mean, it's always surprising when you 
first meet politicians that you have just listened to or stared at or read about for a long time and you see what they're really like. I find that often surprising. People people, people surprise me in this building a lot, uh, more often than not, you know, they put on a performance and then you kind of meet them and they're, and they're, they're not, see, Rob thinks I'm not cynical enough and that I, I just, I just say, like, I, cause I tend to like everyone. I like all politicians from all sides of parliament, unless they do something that's particularly unlikable. I tend to pretty much like everyone. I, um, I, uh, but one of my favorite, one of my favorite stories about politicians, cause in my friends, my friends, a lot of them, you know, being here, they all work in politics or work in public servants. But when I go back to sure. Sydney and, and meet my friends, see my friends from Sydney, they couldn't give two shits about what I've done in, in the building this week. But one of the good, <laughs> one of, so I've got to pick my good stories about what I'll, what I'll share about politicians. One of my favourite stories is when I um, did a short-lived stint working at Sky News um, and I was a producer for Peter Van Elslin and I was producing yes. his show. Actually, it was actually it was The Nation. It was The Nation with David Spears which now doesn't exist anymore because they've renamed it Spears Tonight after David Spears' favourite dinner, Chicken Tonight. And um, <laughs> it was the nation and it was the whole premise of the show was to get really polarising people from opposite sides of politics on together. So you'd get Penny Wong and Barnaby Joyce on and they'd just fire up at each other and yell and scream. Um, yep. George Brandis was on one week and I was talking to him. At the time I was doing 2SER, which is student radio, and uh, he said to me, oh, you should, when Nick Xenophon comes on next week, you should ask Nick Xenophon about his time in radio. And I thought, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. So I was talking to Nick Xenophon and he said that um, he uh, he used to do a lot of radio and he got off at his own radio show before he got um, elected into parliament. And um, he would get people on like George Brandis and, 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 you know, the big kind of big politicians on and they didn't really know who he was. And then all of a sudden Nick Xenophon popped up and has kind of built this, built this stronghold in South Australia for independence or mm, the yeah. Nick Xenophon team, although he claims that he's going to change it. But, you know, he's, this is the man that came up with the Coalition of Common Sense or the Cox. So I don't know how strong he is on naming things. But um, he, uh, I, so, yeah, so I was talking to him about radio and he said, and I said, oh, do you listen to any Sydney radio? What do you like in Sydney? And there's this famous... Uh, love song dedications show. It used to be yeah. on. Uh, it was called the station was called Mix, but if, uh, it's rebranded now. It's called Kiss. Richard Mercer used to host it. Unfortunately, Kiss is rebranded as a kind of um, Fox or Two Day FM style station, so they don't do it anymore. But they used to do this great um, this great love song dedications show, which one of their producers once told me uh, the main caller base was uh, Bangladeshi and Sri Lankan people. But more often than not, it would be you know a woman calling so lover was in prison or, you know, <laughs> it was great. Like Love Song Dedication is a real like interesting show. And so he yeah. said to me his favourite show was Love Song Dedications. And I said, oh, okay, if you, would you, what would you, if you could dedicate a song, what would you dedicate? And he said, oh, it would be definitely something by, it would be The Rose. It would be The Rose by Bette Midler. And I was like, oh, why Bette Midler? And he's like, oh, well, you know when she's in that, it's just, you know, I really have this, this um moment of Bette Midler's movie career, I can't think. Is a movie called The Rose? Maybe it is. There's oh, this Bette Midler movie where um she's you know she's Bette Midler, so she's playing like a singer, and she says to and she's whinging and complaining about how things are going, and and she turns to her manager and she says, "Okay, enough about me. How do you think I'm doing?" <laughs> and that is when he said that to me, offered me a spring roll, and then kind of ghosted. I was just. 
I just thought this is the epitome of politics, right? It's these people who uh, elect, or, well, you know, whether independent or they're party elected, they're kind of set up to this life where everything kind of revolves around them, but they've got to seem modest and humble and, you know, like Bill Shorten walking around a supermarket pretending he knows more than one type of lettuce. It's just a really interesting, an interesting, an interesting group of people that are probably uh, a lot more vain and self-conscious than everyone realises. How, how do you ground yourself in the midst of this unreality? <laughs> That's a very good question. Canberra is, obviously people talk a lot about the Canberra bubble and the, and the, um, the press gallery kind of cozying up to the politicians and I'm on press gallery. Yeah, you guys are and thick as thieves. <laughs> thick as thieves, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we text each other all the time. Me and Wyatt yeah. Roy just always Snapchatting. Um, oh yeah, which is half true. I snap. I snap at him. He never snap. He's never snaps back. <laughs> never snaps back. Um, I, I think that it's a. You've got to find time to switch off. And I know that when Mark did did his episode with you, and you know now working with Mark, he's he's a pretty he's a really hard worker. He's he's twenty four seven, and he lives that kind of social media twenty four seven lifestyle. I'm less of, I'm less of that. I uh, I think that because I, I'm used to working in breakfast radio, I'm kind of, I know that you need downtime, otherwise you would mm-hmm. you would not survive. You'd kind of burn out really fast. And that's that's really important this year because we've got an election coming up, Ooh, you know, yeah. anytime, literally anytime between. Anytime kind of, between now and October. Well, technically now and January. It could fall anytime between now, well, May or June and, and January. So it could, um, it could, it could happen at any time. So you've always got to be prepared. And you know, once the election camp, that's twenty four seven. You know, those election yeah. campaign weeks are twenty four seven. You know, on the buses, going to doorstops, not being told, and being flown around the country. That's full on, and um, it's hard work. So I am a big believer in uh in downtime and and trying to try to find things to relax. And, and I mean, the interesting thing about relaxing in Canberra is that people are very critical of Canberra, but I think it's definitely one of the most beautiful places of the world. And I think it has a real kind of all the delights of the city with the charms of the country. You know, you can drive around mm-hmm. and find yeah. a parking everywhere, which I think is very underrated. And, um, <laughs> and obviously, but it's, I think it's visually beautiful as well. It's hot, yeah. it's hot air balloon season in Canberra, so it's a really nice time to be here. But um, as I say, I'm on the press gallery committee, so a lot of the – in sitting weeks, the culture of Canberra is highly organised around social events with politicians and staffers. And and we – um people uh, are probably aware of the Midwinter Ball, which is a big fundraiser we do for charity yeah. in the middle of the year. But last year we started for the first time. They used to do kind of goof reel nights um, where they'd get – the journos up from the gallery together and and play some some goof reels of uh of of what happened through the year and some funny things um mm. and that was a big thing that happened at the press club we haven't but they haven't done that for a couple of years so uh andrew meese who's the now president of the press gallery committee and i uh with a boat called fergus hunter who's a journal at fairfax as well we started up this night called canberra insider games where we got a whole bunch of police and we played Family Feud and oh, we did great. trivia and we did like a breakdancing competition and we did this Q&A parody and it was just a, a, good, a good meeting of, of, of minds together to, to try and relax and wind down in the middle of 
of craziness. And and this is this is another another kind of story similar to the Xenophon story. Kevin, we had a surprise guest. We did, we did a trivia section at the end, and we did a Who Am I? And mm. Kevin Rudd was in Canberra, and we had oh. we knew we had a really slim chance of getting him to come along. And so we hadn't told anyone he was coming because we really thought he wouldn't. And then all of a sudden he turned he turned up, and he, and we had to keep him kind of out the back. We had Albo kind of standing with him to make sure he didn't get too unhappy. And I had to, I had to kind of stand there with him. And uh, Albo was has his own brand of beer, Albo Ale, Albo Corn mm. Ale, which they uh, these great guys make in Marrickville from this tiny brewery. And it's I think you can get it at select places, but. Albo walks around the building trying to spruik it to people. And he, um, so I was standing there with Kevin Rudd and we were just about to get ready and, you know, there was a who am I and it was all very generic. It was, you know, I was born in Queensland. I grew up on a farm. I met my wife at university. I've been a journalist, a diplomat, a blah, 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 blah. Who am I? And so we really laboured it out. And so by the end it was who am I? I'm, I'm Kevin Rudd. And then we got Kevin to go out. And so as we were preparing him to go out, um, Albo had given him a bit of Albo ale to try. I think he kind of had this tenuous sip and wasn't really interested. And then um, he asked, I said, oh, do you want me to, to hold it while you go out on stage? And, and and he said, no, 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 give me a glass. He gave me a glass and he poured half of it out. And then he said, no, 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 it's a prop. I'm going to take it out. It's a prop. And so he kind of, and then he went out on stage. And Kevin Rudd has this, like, amazing ability to completely take the piss out of himself but still not mm. be self-aware. And so he went, you know, they did the Who Am I, Kevin Rudd, and then we kind of went, Kevin Rudd, ladies and gentlemen, and he did the Hi, I'm Kevin, and I'm here to help. And the room <laughs> lost their shit. Like people couldn't handle the fact he was there. And he um, he got up and he asked a series of questions and we had asked him whether we he wanted us to write them or we would write them. But he he wrote them and they were all about him. And so the answer to right. every question was one, K Rudd. And it was just this amazing moment where it was, he was trying, he was, he, I couldn't decide if he was the joke or being the joke or we were the joke. Who was the joke? We were all the joke. It was just, it was overwhelming. And stuff like that happens in camera all the time. You just got to pinch yourself and think, by golly, by golly. <laughs> Did I answer oh. your question? Sorry, I just I just remembered that Kevin Rudd moment and thought, oh, that's a good cracker. That's a good yarn. I think so, but that is a cracking story. <laughs> I can tell you right now, that's probably going to become the teaser clip for this episode. That's <laughs> amazing. One K Rudd, and then as soon as oh. like as quickly as he kind of arrived, he 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 went off stage, saw Sam Destiari there, and said, "My hotel room, fifteen minutes," and was gone. It was gone. But I got this great photo with him where um. I've got to stop doing it, but I, but I'm a big. I think it harks back to a joke from university that I can't really remember. Where we do a that guy, which is when you kind of point, but you got your thumb up and you point across mm. at someone. And so I got this photo of him, of me overwhelmed with him. Uh, that Terry Butler, the member for Griffith, who took Kevin Rudd's seat, said, mm. "Hey Alice, you should get a photo. It'd be really funny." And I thought, oh, I don't want a photo. This will be really weird. And so, no, he took the photo and I look like a psychopath and I'm standing next to Kevin Rudd, which is pretty interesting. Who's the psychopath in that picture? But I look like a crazy person standing next to Kevin, like pointing at him being like, ah! <laughs> yeah. God. I just need, that's a great photo to remember, a great, <laughs> a great anecdote. Look, he's, for all of his foibles, faults and, and benefits, Kevin Rudd is indeed a character. <laughs> 
Wow. So, Alice, given where you are now and the amazing times you seem to be having in Canberra, are you doing what you thought Year 11 Alice thought she'd be doing? Oh, man. Year 11, I went to, um, I went to an all-girls uh, selective school in uh, southern Sydney in St George where mm-hmm. we did no inter-school activity. We did no... No, no, no debating, no anything really. And so I, um, from a, from an early age, I, my mother kind of, my sister is quite introverted. I, we always, I used to joke as a kid that she was, if in doubt, read. And so if you couldn't find her, you could find her somewhere with a book. And she's quite, yeah. I wouldn't say that she's, she, she's kind of shy and, and a bit more in, introverted. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a full-on extrovert, but I was more extroverted than her. So my mother thought the best way to channel this energy was through drama. So I did a lot of drama and sport as a kid, try and get there, quell the energy, I think, at night. Um, mm. And uh, at high school, because we didn't really, my sister went to this selective high school and I was really sick as a kid. I had um, viral meningitis twice when I was uh when I was in wow. once when I was in kindergarten and then once when I was in year six. And so I think my dad um was convinced that I wasn't very smart. And so he um I made a bet with him that if I could get into selective school that I could get a dog. Um because up until that point we'd only had hermit crabs um and they just died. Yeah. And yeah, so, they do that. Yeah. And they they pretty much they smell. It wasn't a good idea, hermit crabs. Um so yeah, I made this bet with him that I could get a dog. And he was convinced that I was an idiot. Um, cause I, you know, had this viral meningitis is like basically a swelling of the brain and you've got to get lava punches and it's really quite horrible illness. And I had it twice. So he was convinced I was stupid. And, um, and, but I did, I got in much to his chagrin. And so I, a year later he finally relented and bought me a dog and I had this beautiful dog called Billy. Um, unfortunately he's no longer with us, but, um, yeah, so I went to this selective school, which I think was. Was my sister went there, and I think that's why my parents wanted me to go. It wasn't probably the best choice for me because I, you know, while I, you know, went well in the HSC and stuff, I think I needed those creative outlets that weren't really there. So when I got to, I only ever really wanted to go to Sydney Uni because um, I wanted to do reviews, reviews and drama and things like that. And so mm-hmm. for a while, yeah. maybe, maybe in year eleven, I probably thought I was going to be an actor, but then my dad sat me down and had a very stern conversation about uh, economics and the. Um, <laughs> my dad's an economist and had a very stern conversation with me about um, the job pyramid for actors and said, well, if you look at a, if you think of acting as a pyramid, Alice, and, you know, right at the pinnacle at the top, you've got Kate Blanchett and I don't know who was popular in, in the, in the Nicole. early 2000s. Yeah, Nicole Kidman. You've got Nicole Kidman, you've got Tom Cruise, you've got all those people, right? Down the bottom, you've got everyone else. And he, you know, and he, he didn't outwardly say, you're not very good, but he said <laughs> statistically the likelihood that you would ever make money because obviously my dad comes from a you know poor, both my parents come from western sydney you know poor catholic families my dad was one of many children um and they were both the first people in their families to kind of go through uni and my mum's a teacher and my dad uh you know did a did an economics law degree after you know failing his hsc the first time and then had a second round and did the did economics law and and he's very wow. smart and he, um, I think that he was, as he always is, practical and was giving me practical advice about life 
and that I should seriously consider what I wanted to do. So I probably in year 11 thought I would be an actor, but then then I then I did media at uni and got really into radio and still did a lot of review stuff. I used to run the reviews at Sydney Uni and write reviews yeah. and do reviews, um, comedy reviews, uh, and I did really enjoy that. But um, but then I don't think I actually really got interested in being a political journalist until I was at uni and met student politicians and thought, gee, someone's got to pull these kids into line. They're not great. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, there's a big thing in the gallery about the Adelaide Mafia, but I really like to think the Sydney Uni Mafia is taking over because there's um, uh, myself, James O'Doherty, who is David Spears' producer at Sky. Mark and I mm. went to uni together as well. So Mark's here uh, and Michael Coziel's just joined the gallery to work for Fairfax. So there's a our year kind of cohort at Sydney Uni is um, having some strong representations in the gallery, which I'm really enjoying. That's, that is awesome. So, Alice, for all of this, uh, and look, it, this is an incredible chat. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's okay. I, I don't mean that to sound surprising either. I that meant to be genuine. <laughs> it definitely, it definitely sounds genuine. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. You bet you say that to all the guests. Oh, you're all so interesting. Oh. Look, there may have been a couple of times when I had to force it. Let's <laughs> just leave it at that. Yeah. What's the biggest thing to have happened to you? Ever. So far. So far. Ooh. Ooh. Gosh, that's quite a self-reflective question, isn't it? I don't know. How do other people answer that question? That's really quite tough. Not everybody gets asked it. (laughs) Can we come back to it? Can I think about it for a bit? Sure. In a crisis or an argument, Ben, are you fight or flight? Mm. Mm. I think it depends what I'd like to think I'd be be a bit more fighty, but I but I I think that I'm pretty flighty as well in terms of I completely steer clear of any kind of arguments on social I never get into conversations on mm. social media really with people that I don't know and I I um I don't tend to arc up online. I'm pretty I'm pretty I've really locked down my face my personal Facebook page and, and tend to really use my that's why I was surprised you asked me on here. I thought I'm not interesting on Twitter at all. I just tweet about politics. Like I never tweet about really my personal life or or anything like that. But um I um I think that I think that I like to think that I, you know, can choose my battles really, really carefully and, and, and pick the pick the ones you want to stand up for. I mean, two years of having ABC editorial policies driven into you kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> tends to kill any any opinion that you want to give on a subject. So, um, yes. but, uh, but yeah, I think that there is definitely a place for, for fights and for, you know, there is a tradition in the media to run campaigns on certain issues and there are certain people that probably deserve to have a bit of a, a volley with. If I can use a tennis analogy. You certainly can. It's very, very surprising for me. I'm not, I'm not a sports person. I wrote this story about um, Adam Gilchrist the other week and Mark yelled at me because I, uh, I said to him, oh, he's that guy that was the catcher, that famous catcher. <laughs> catcher. Yep. And he, 
And he was like, you mean Adam Gilchrist? And I was like, yeah, 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 the catcher guy. And um, <laughs> people are going to hate me. I, I really don't know anything about cricket. That's great. Yeah, I'm a wondrous supporter. I'm all about, I'm all about football, traditional football, none of this newfangled stuff. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, wow. The catcher is an I stand by catcher because it's an accurate description of what he did. He caught the ball. That, he did indeed catch the ball. <laughs> this, this is a, a reasonable <laughs> expectation for you, out though, Alice, considering that you went to a selective cult school. Uh, <laughs> cult yeah, school. Anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cult school. Um, there, if you've ever watched, uh, there's an excellent girl who actually goes to my school at the moment who, um, oh, maybe she's just, um, I just said, maybe she's finished now. There was on the TV show Puberty Blues. Yes. Um, she's, she's great. She goes there now and she, um, she tells me that it, nothing has changed, which is disturbing. Puberty Blues was a great series. Channel 10 actually did a really good job with that. Mm, yeah, I remember. I watched it and I liked it. That's pretty good. So what is the biggest thing to have happened to you, Alice? Oh, my God. I don't know. I guess, well, I guess maybe it would be in terms of where my life is now, the biggest thing probably would have been getting the job at Triple J that made me move to Canberra. And I was really surprised when I got the job and I knew a couple of people that went up against me. And when I found out who that I got it over some other people, I mean, that was interesting, but I mean, I, I had, I thought I was really surprised. You know, I was just a kid running a breakfast radio show at a, you know, not the top rating AM station in Sydney and mm. was was interested in politics, did a lot of talking about politics, did a lot of things about politics, but had never, you know, I ne- I would never self-identify as hip or cool in a kind of Triple J sense of the word. You know, I don't think I even particularly listened to Triple J much. I did in high school, but I, don't, I think that, you know, probably listening to news radio of a Triple J. And I was really surprised when I got that job. And that probably changed everything because I moved here um, I moved here and started working in the gallery. Rob Harris came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder on my first day of work and said rather aggressively, I was really good friends with the girl that did this job before you and she's gone now, so I guess we have to be friends. And that's how, <laughs> that's that's how I met Rob Harris. And now, look, you know, two years later, you know, we, we started a podcast. We do it we do it a bit. We do we pop up everywhere. We're popping up on talking pictures in a minute. We're popping up on Sky yeah. News a minute later. So, you know, I think that coming here and meeting Rob really, really changed. I didn't know anyone, anyone in Canberra at all, really. I kind of vaguely knew some some people from uni that worked in grad jobs, but I didn't know anyone in the gallery. Uh, you know, working at Triple J isn't like working at the main ABC. I kind of, we sit in this office that's on the side and and are quite different to them. And, you know, obviously Triple J Hack is a, you know, youth audience, so it's a very unique kind of show. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that meeting Rob, I didn't know anyone and I found it a pretty kind of weird and lonely place when I first moved here. I mean, I love it now, but it was a bit intimidating at the time. And I think that probably coming here and meeting him probably did change my life. I hope he's flattered by that. He might... (laughs) I hope he's not offended by me saying that. <laughs> I'll have to ask him when I actually get him to commit. You know, he's a huge episode. fan. When I told him I was doing this, he was so jealous, so jealous. He's a huge fan of this podcast. 
Well, we know you're listening, Rob. Just look to your, <laughs> look to your direct message. No, 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 no. He won't listen to the ones I'm on. Like he's never, he's never heard an episode of the podcast we do together because he says, well, I'm there at the time of recording. Why would I listen back to it? And I'm like, great. Thanks, Rob. Well, hopefully his ears are burning now then. <laughs> he's li- <laughs> See, one thing about moving jobs, I've moved literally three doors down the corridor, but um, uh, I'm now a lot closer to Rob's desk. So if mm. I roll out of my office door and look to my left, I can look into his office and see him. So, uh, you know, that and also where I'm a lot closer to the bathroom. So really moving to BuzzFeed has been a, been a big coup for me. That's a huge step up. <laughs> we were in this office with no windows and, um, but there's a, there's a station you can turn the television to uh, that is a shot of the flagpole outside the building. So we like oh, to turn no. the TVs into a window to kind of, you know, that thing about you trick your brain into, into seeing the outdoors and things moving and it thinks that there's a window. <laughs> wow, None of this so makes great. sense until you've ever been to Canberra and been to the gallery. You've got to come here and take a look at it for yourself and then I think the madness of, of it all will make more sense. Oh, invitation accepted. Oh, that is going to happen. Anytime you come to our nation's capital and wheel your way around some roundabouts. I will do just that. Alice, mm. what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Well, okay. Um, well, obviously there is an election. Yeah. That is, we are going, I'm going to achieve election fever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is a, a rare disease that pops up every cure? three years. Is there a cure? I think, um, Relief of, of, of a non-hung parliament is probably the best cure. <laughs> um, yeah, well, obviously the next 12 months, I mean, I, I've, I've only just started a BuzzFeed, so I, I'm going um, to, it'll take a while, I think, to find, to find my kind of, um, I find my roots here a little. Uh, I, I used to make highly intricately edited radio packages for a living, uh, which my life was consumed by, microseconds of audio and sound effects and bed tracks yeah. and grabs and and doing that and um it's quite funny mark said to me oh well now you work at buzzfeed you'll probably be on the abc more than you were when you worked there which is true <laughs> uh, funnily yeah. enough um so i do a lot of i still do a lot of media and i still do a lot of well i know i do more media and more tv than i did before and mark's just started uh, a segment on insiders every yeah. that he's going to do every couple of weeks that I'm going to think I'm going to help him out with. And, um, you know, he does spots on sunrise and we do spots on sky and we do a lot of, a lot of things. And so, and so really, uh, I mean, I, he talked a lot about uh, BuzzFeed and how it works in his episode. So if you're interested in that, either DM me and I can answer some questions for you or go and listen to Mark's episode. But I think that uh, we're in a pretty unique and amazing situation where we have been basically told, um, you know, BuzzFeed is like a startup, right? It's a it's a bunch of yeah. it's a bunch of kids just coming up with ways to do things better and 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 to do things quickly and figure out where and how people are consuming media, what they want to know, um, and what we can tell them, what unique kind of stuff we can tell them. So we've been put in this pretty rare and amazing situation where the the bosses in the US have said to us, um, "Here's a bunch of money." have a crack. Let's throw a whole bunch of stuff up against the wall and see what works. Uh, people, you know, would know 
BuzzFeed more in Australia because they haven't been here for as long. They've only been here. They just celebrated their second birthday, I think, um, would know them for clickbait. And obviously we're not going to stop doing that. Like that's bread and butter stuff. People, people, you know, people are pretty critical of clickbait, but, you know, it works. You know, it's true because it's work. It works, right? And so that that, yeah. that stuff's going to stay the same. But where um, in 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 America, they've got a huge. There's no question in America that BuzzFeed is a news organization. There's still, I think, a bit of debate in Australia at the moment. They've been around in America for about eight years, I think, and you know they've got a they've got more than ten people that work in the White House just doing straight news, so just do political reporting. And in the UK, they've got a bunch of people that just do straight political UK reporting. At the moment, it's only Mark and I here, and I've just kind of started. But we are going to, I think, in the next 12 months, transform people's impression of what BuzzFeed is and really show them that we are awesomely technology forward. All of our stuff is designed for for consumption on, on mobile, consumption on tablets, and, and I think that we're really going to show that we're a force to be reckoned with because we're going to go, we're going to go balls deep, balls deep with this election, and we're going to do a bunch of everything and try to create awesome, unique, funny, original, insightful, intelligent content and really show old media how to run a 24-hour online news service, I think. Does that sound too wanky? 13 things Alice Workman will do in the next year. 13 things, yeah. Well, it's a huge huge year. Last night my cat got a scratching pole, so she's a... She's pretty happy. Um, I, uh, I'm going to go out and buy myself a, a phone, a fo- an extra phone battery because I figure there's never been a more exciting time than to prepare yourself for an election. So mm. I've got a list of things I need to buy. And, um, uh, you know, just Mark, <laughs> Mark's promised to, to show me his Giforium in Sydney when I go there next week. So. <laughs> So many things to achieve so quickly. Ah, oh, not really, not really. People like people. People kind of criticize Mark and I online a bit, saying, "Oh, why do you waste your time doing things like you know, doing gifts or doing videos or doing vines?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? It takes two minutes." Yeah, it's nothing. It takes two minutes. It takes two minutes. But I, but like at the same time, as much as I just made this kind of wanky pronouncement about what we're going to try and achieve, um, we are just going to really try and work hard. And you know, there's a certain obviously we're not. At any in any way trying to say that people need to take us seriously and read us every day and we should be like we're the new Laurie Oaks. Absolutely not. That's totally not what we're mm. saying. We're just really willing to kind of work hard and 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 try and make good good stuff and create good content, come up with good yarns. I mean, Fairfax like to call themselves the Yarn Barn, but maybe we'll come up with an equally catchy title. I like to call our office the Mitch Fiefdom because Communications <laughs> Minister Mitch Fiefeld yes. opened it the other way. And um, that makes him feel really uncomfortable. So I really enjoy that. Um, but uh, I think that, I think that, yeah, yeah. So we're going to try, like, we just want to just have a, it's, see, when Mark and I were at uni together, he edited the student newspaper. And in many respects, I feel a lot like we are kind of back at uni, but surrounded by real politicians instead of student politicians. And we're editing the student newspaper. And we're just like, you know, no no rules bar, twenty four seven. It's it, you know, you get in, you get you put in, you get out what you put in, like all this kind of stuff. It's really quite a bizarre situation to be to be back in. And sometimes I just think, who is letting us do this? What is going on? 
right. Whoever is letting you guys do it, I'm glad that they are because it's so great. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, we're working on some really interesting stuff at the moment that'll um be out in the next few weeks that are some pretty awesome exclusives. Excellent. Well, I know that I, I know that I will keep my eyes peeled and a, a number of others will do the same. Alice, thank you so much. Oh, not, thank you for having me. I apologize for the, the sniffing. I think I've got a bit of a cold at the moment. So I'm doing a bit of, I've got a bit of voice. I don't know if you saw it, but um, Scott Morrison did a bit of a testy in um question time. Yes. And I feel like I've got a bit of the the sniffles and the the voice breaking at the moment, but it's not. I'm not having a testy cough. I'm just just got a cold. Look, I don't know <laughs> how, but I blame the deputy prime minister. <laughs> the deputy uh, prime minister, Barnaby Joyce. Yeah, yeah it's got to be cold somehow. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm feeling the barn this week. Those pictures of him where he was on the um they were playing rugby Polly's first press and he looked oh, yeah, like a yeah. member of the walking dead i mean <laughs> you gotta the man loves a short shot you kind of gotta respect Ooh. him for that i think well it depends <laughs> how much of a fan of the short short crotch you are <laughs> that's a good point alice thank you so much for speaking with me please know that the thing you said today while extremely humorous in many situations are highly valued and you're a very special person. Thank you so much. Oh, I feel like this was like a really interesting therapy session where I've been <laughs> bottling up bottling up things that ABC wouldn't let me say for two years and they would come. I, I was joking that my first day at BuzzFeed, I was going to like say right on Twitter, all right, guys, I'm ready to, to express my first opinion in like in like two years. Get ready, get ready. But then I couldn't think of anything, in, like I couldn't think of a single interesting opinion that I had really other than, you just, other than like, I don't know, Rob Harris is obsessed with the fact that I don't like wobbly food. <laughs> and so, but that just confuses people, I think. Well, we all have our various foibles. <laughs> Do you like wobbly food? Oh, I'm a fan of food. It can be hard, wobbly or otherwise. Oh, no, no wobbly here. Thank you. No wobbly here. <laughs> Yeah, but, well, loving food means that I tend to be a bit wobbly, so <laughs> that's my problem. Well, you know, I don't know if um if you go to dinner and go through a Macca's drive-thru, but that's what a lot of the a lot of the people apparently in this building like to do. They go to the dinner at the at the lodge and it's not good enough, so they go through Macca's drive-thru. So it just shows that politicians, they're just like you and me. We're all yeah, the same. Yeah, they love sneaky cheese. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't love a filet fish <laughs> on a Sunday, you know? Being, oh, being good Catholics nice, like we all are. Yeah, nice medium fries. <laughs> Not large. That would be extravagant. Not small, too small, medium. Yeah, try explaining that in your, uh, you know, how you spent your money. Oh, I had to buy large. No, you didn't have to buy anyway. <laughs> but Alice, very clearly you're on Twitter. Are there oh, any yeah. other accounts you want us to know about? Um, well, well, as part of the um, evolving brand process i am i have a facebook page that's uh like you know alice workman journalist mm. even though i don't really as i've said to you i don't really like telling people that um i uh i think it's just a bit i don't know i think the word journalist is just a bit i don't know if i necessarily agree with it as an act act description of i think part of what we do is journalism but i think that it's so much more now i don't like the word journalist mm. i used to always call myself a reporter when i worked at triple j because i thought i was doing more reporting than journalism but I don't know. Um, I 
have an Instagram account for my cat, um, which yes. is called, I'm pretty sure I have to double check what it's called. Um, I, uh, I, I was never really, I didn't really get Instagram. I didn't. And then the start of the year um, when I was doing breakfast hours with Radio National, I got really bored during the day. So I created a, an Instagram account for my cat called the cat named Winston. And it's, um, it's meant to be a parody account. <laughs> Of, of Instagram accounts so it's just pictures of my cat and then quotes like if I ever woke up with a dead hooker in my hotel room Matt would be the first person I'd call which is like a Ben Affleck quote so it's all just ridiculous quotes um but then um my housemates started taking it really seriously because the account's got over 500 followers and we don't know who they are so <laughs> we're kind of like we were just questioning we're like maybe we could monetize it maybe we could be our cat could be Instagram famous. And I was like, no, I don't think so. So um, I have an Instagram account for my cat. I have, um, I have, I have Twitter and Vine and Facebook for work. Uh, I have a very locked down personal Facebook page that I never post to. Um, good luck trying to find that one. And I, that's probably it. What other accounts do people have? I mean, like I use like apps like Snapchat and things like that. Politicians are really getting into Snapchat, which I find Fascinating and disturbing. Oh yeah. Yeah, Colin Barnett. Who would have thought he'd have a Snapchat account? Um, what else? What are other things that people say? What are the other? What other social media? Well, that's that's it really. Unless you're going to open the door on, um, uh, you know, the super secret uh, app that that Mr. Turnbull uses to communicate. With oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, no. I definitely use them. Confide and Wicker and Signal um, and Jot. Yeah. I use all of them. Uh, I use. I mean, we use WhatsApp, we use Viber, we we use Slack now at BuzzFeed, which is really good. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, I um I don't really. Mark opened my phone the other day and said that I had I had so many apps, but I don't really think I do. I um I don't think I have that many apps. I don't believe in dating apps, so there's none of them. It's more like. Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe in dating apps either, but I'm also married for. 15 years. But you know, in Parliament House, the grinder is like really big at Parliament House because we work on a hill, right? The press gallery and the staffers. Yeah, yeah, because we work on it. Parliament House is on a hill in the middle of nowhere. So, mm. you know, it's not like working in a CBD where you can pop out and go to the shops. No, 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 no. That's why if you've ever seen anyone in the building complain about parking, parking is like a really big deal at the moment because we, we work in this place that's in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, to go to the shops or to go, you've got to get in your car and drive like five, ten minutes to get anywhere. Um, so because we, it is such an isolated building, it works the parameters of Grindr, which is based on a location. Grindr and that other one happen, which is when you walk past someone, um, oh, yeah. those, those apps are perfect here because it's all based on proximity. So you can set your proximities to just people in the building. And there's this room um, in Parliament called the meditation room which is um there's one elevator that goes there and you have to you have to really know how to get there to get there and it's hidden it's hidden away in the side of the side of the building and it's a room that's meant to be for meditation so there's bibles there's a quran in there there's so it's meant to be you know and there's these little cubicles that are like for reflection but there are rumors rumors and allegations that people may use it for other purposes and, More um, than meditation. 
more than meditation. And there's this protocol of if you look into the little booths, you can see people take their shoes off and put their shoes there so you know it's occupied. Um, but I wouldn't know anything about that, obviously. I couldn't possibly imagine. Alice, my eyes have been opened. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Workman Alice is 